everyone, welcome to the Females in Motorsport podcast. This is your host Manvi and today we have, pause for drumroll, Ash Vandele joining us on the show. I'm sure if you stumble upon this podcast, you know this name already, but for those of us who don't, Ash is the number one motorsport Twitch streamer in the country. She had 1.6 million views on Twitch for the 2022 Formula 1 season. She's also always been a huge women in motorsport advocate and today we'll be diving into the nuances of that a little bit more. Welcome to the show, Ash. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. So excited to have you. I feel like I've been following you for quite a long time. And obviously, you've had quite a journey. You also are so knowledgeable. I would consider you an actual expert. So for me to talk to you, I feel like I'm going to learn so much today. Oh, man, I just feel like a big gooby sometimes. I just, I'm just like happy to be involved in motorsports or just like just talk about it with a bunch of people. So I am flattered. That is very nice for you to say. And now you're setting me up on like a high pedestal, I feel like, for people who are going to who are listening to this podcast. You're going to ask a question and we'll be like, I don't know. I'm not above Googling things. I don't know everything. And that's fine. I'm not above Googling things either. Absolutely not. Like I mentioned to you before this intro, I did not even know that Vandalay is not your actual last name. I did not know the Seinfeld reference. I had to Google the Seinfeld reference because admittedly I have not seen Seinfeld. So I'm not above Googling things either. So we're in the same boat here. Yeah, I'll do it live on stream. I'll be watching a Formula One race and someone will say a fact. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. And like just clacking away on my keyboard while like, and through goes Hamilton. And I'll be like, wait, I'm learning something. Give me a second. That's why I kind of love it though, because I feel like there's so many new fans and we're going to talk about this a little bit more that we all get to learn so much every single day. Well, that's kind of why I like motorsports. I feel like after we leave college or Mm -hmm. school in general, whether you go, even if you go to a trade school, if you go to college, university, if you go to grad school, like after you leave some form, you don't learn something new every day anymore. You just kind of stop doing that unless you teach yourself, but it's very rarely that I will daily teach myself something new regardless but motorsports i'm like i don't have an aerodynamics degree i'm like oh why did they do that to that car i'm like oh i don't know why they did it to the engine i'll be like oh this is an interesting business decision like why is this financially good for the team to do i'm constantly googling and learning it whether it's nascar imza WEC, etc just why they do certain things and i think that's that's why i kind of love motorsport you're kind of just diving into something such a good point. And it's also one of those sports that you don't like actually learn in school. It's not like basketball right. or volleyball. It's not a sport like that where you're learning the rules and regulations in school. You kind of have to actively try to learn yourself. And of course, it's Google or the content creators and people like that who are actually doing such amazing work that you get to learn so much every single day. Yeah, school gym class is not like jumping into a W13. Right. Unfortunately. Um, so I'm a little bit new to motorsport, which is something I don't know if I should or should not admit given the landscape we live in today, but that's why I kind of love to ask other people how they discovered their love for motorsport. So I know you've been watching it since, you know, you were a little, little kid, but I want to know more specifically how you decided to, you know, go on Twitch and how did that first Twitch stream come about? Sure. Um, I'm pretty open with my mental health. I think that's a Mm -hmm. very important topic. So um, I've had anxiety, I mean, all my life. (laughs) I recently didn't learn about it until you go to therapy um, and realize that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And went to therapy. um, And before the, I think right when the pandemic started, um, and obviously going through the first couple of months, it was really bad. Not the fact that I was, I'm an introvert. So it's not the fact that I couldn't talk to people. It was more so the fact that everything, it was just doom scrolling and everything was terrible. And I'm like, this is mm-hmm. horrible. Like, why are we like, how could people raise kids in this environment? How could I be a person in this? Like, it was just, I was going down. It was terrible. <laughs> I was going down a rabbit hole. It was a real dark place. And, um, 
I started playing Stardew Valley on my Nintendo Switch. And just, I think, Call of Duty with my brother and his friends, also my friends, because we grew up with them. Because it was a way that we talked on the phone and kind of hung out and did an mm-hmm. activity, as opposed to just FaceTiming. We just all jump in Call of Duty. And we, by the way, we're not good at Call of Duty, okay? We just sat in a house Is and talked to though? each other. I mean, there's some sweaty people out there. But, like, for <laughs> us, we were just, like, happy to hang out with each other. Uh, so I found these, like, communities on Twitch. Um, and it was nice to talk to people on chat, et cetera. And I was telling this to my therapist about how that's how I was socializing, talking to people. And she's like, oh, you should do that for motorsports. And I was like, you're crazy. Um, I'm not going to do that ever because talking to strangers, please. Um, and eventually that was a goal we worked towards. So December 2020 was my first Twitch stream. I played Portal, which is a video game that I play twice a year. It's, it's just a fun little puzzle game. Um, very humorous if, for folks who do know. And then the F1 season for 2021 was rolling in. And I was like, I'm comfortable and I kind of want to talk about this and we can get started. I started with my best friend, Sal, and my brother, because it's always easier when you have someone just to bounce ideas off or conversation, um, especially in Twitch chat when the chat's not moving or no one's going to watch you. You're just like talking to yourself. And sure, I can talk to myself, but a little bit easier when you have someone. So yeah, we started doing that. And then eventually it just uh, kept going. And then we added... Um, the chat was like, you should do NASCAR watch-alongs. So I was familiar with NASCAR. I started watching it at the end of last year, mostly during playoffs. I'm still learning about the personalities and the rules and such, which has been fun the past couple of days. Yeah, I've heard NASCAR is more dramatic than Formula One, which to me is bizarre, but very exciting. I don't know if anyone has been... Hendrick Motorsports currently has $400,000 in fines and has four crew chiefs that are banned for four races because of unproper i forgot the exact term unproper louvers on their car from phoenix and then you have denny hamlin who's been fined fifty thousand dollars and for admitting on a podcast that he intentionally tried to not try to wreck he intentionally like hit bump trap like hit someone with ross chastain it just is so dramatic it's great i freaking love it <laughs> for audio listeners my jaw was on the floor right now <laughs> like, that was like, what <laughs> Literally, that is wild, yeah. Because for me, I have not followed NASCAR at all. But I have followed IndyCar a little bit, a little bit still new to it. But mm-hmm. I find that a little bit more of an easier transition from Formula One because it's yeah, open wheel racing. And there are some drivers who've driven in both series. So I found it a little bit easier to follow. But I have heard NASCAR is very dramatic. And I feel like that's something I would really enjoy. It's very dramatic. And I don't... and I how do I say this? I often say that Formula One's has two greatest marketing ploys that they've ever done. One of them being that they are like the expensive, rich, so-and-so. I was like, do you know how much it costs? So you need to buy a charter in NASCAR to run a car, to have like a team, which is one car. That costs anywhere, right now, currently it costs 25 to $30 million for one car. Some teams have four. So automatically it's $120 million. And then mm. like you have, right, it's a stock car, but you still have to, for certain incidents, stuff always goes down during a race. So you're constantly replacing car parts. They have significantly almost more races, the staff, the time, like everything. And it was like, there's no way all these motorsports are expensive. <laughs> there's don't trick people to thinking NASCAR is like cheaper racing. It is absolutely not. <laughs> like It is just as insane and expensive to even be a driver and get sponsors, et cetera. Yeah. But Formula One will just charge you basically an arm and a leg to just go attend a race for some reason. Yeah. Without the accessibility, which is always surprising, as in the accessibility to the drivers and to just the cars. So for IndyCar, you can get the paddock pass. Or even then, if you're standing in the grid entrance, you can see them constantly moving back and forth throughout the weekend. You can snap selfies with the driver, see the car was literally right in front of you. It's so cool. And then IMSA does the same thing. And you don't need mm. special passes for that. You can just walk through. Oh, I would love uh, that. Which is really awesome. 
Yeah, it's definitely where the track leans in for Formula mm-hmm. One. And I mean, I think track, um, what am I looking for? Like the vibes of the track is the best word I can come up with right now, help out a lot. For example, I know, so my local tracks living in DC, the closest one to me is Dover Motor Speedway. I have Richmond Raceway and then VIR, which is like a couple hours, but those are the three ones. But they all have events throughout the year and they all have like, they ask local breweries to come during NASCAR races or IMSA races. They have local, just like local places to come and set up a tent or activities for families. So it's very, very, I mean, family oriented if that's what you want, or if you and your friends just want to go grab a drink, beer, um, cocktails, they'll have various things to do at the track. And for NASCAR, you don't even have to go into the track. You can watch it outside the track at one of those beer gardens that they set up, which is a local brewery, which is great because people love supporting local. And for Formula One, you can definitely see like Coda does that really heavily well, where they'll bring local people from Austin and they'll have things throughout the year to make sure people are entertained. Oh, that sounds really fun. I think I'm going to be going to Coda this year. So I'm really excited because I've heard that is a good experience. Oh, it's going to be. It's. I went the year Kimi Raikkonen won. What was that? 2018? um and um it was busy but it wasn't too bad like i think we got to experience a lot but i've heard last year was insane like the number of sheer people the bodies there had to be like the fir- the largest city in texas <laughs> like that weekend daniel ricardo coming on a horse i'm never going to forget that visual ever oh i have slight beef with that <sighs> you ready for this let me yes absolutely my beef with the daniel ricardo riding on a horse, the whole cowboy get up, is that it is such a caricature, caricature yeah. of the American mm-hmm. that we all, that all the, that some toxic Formula One fans shit on. So true. And I'm like, okay, you find it funny when he does it, but when you meet an American fan, then you make fun of us. Which one is it? And then F1 wants American money, but they don't let, but like tickets for Miami is like $1,100 minimum for a three day right now. But yet this caricature, you're like, oh my God. I get that's yeah. my slight beef with it. It is funny. It is cool. I like the showmanship of it. But like, you either accept all of it or you accept none, or of, none it. of it. <laughs> I don't blame you, and here's why: because I did not grow up in the U.S. I moved mm-hmm. here about eight years ago, and I've only lived in New York. I've not really traveled much, you know, in the South or anywhere really outside of the like the East and the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would always find that caricature that stereotype very i don't know if that's appropriate f1 does that for all the countries i've seen them be at i'm gonna be 100 honest well they'll do like a stereotype they do that i mean you can notice that really well when they go to mexico and you're like oh i'm like is that how is this okay <laughs> they seem to do yeah they seem to do like a stereotype caricature of each country they go to and i'm like there's i remember when they first came to america I remember this so vividly because I was so shocked. And they were showing, talking about the United States, and they were just showing like the oil fields of Texas and cows. And I was like, you left out in their commercial. And I was like, yes, that is part of America. You're not wrong. But you've only highlighted a very specific subset of America. I think the great thing that people talk about in the United States is that we have very, like, our national park system is incredible. You can go to a Mm -hmm. city, you can go to the mountains, you can go to the beach. Like, they didn't highlight what the rest of america <laughs> like showed the cows and oil fields and i was like uh excuse me it's a very skewed view of the u.s 100 percent. and it's so interesting to me because for me coming from india that's not the view i ever had of the u.s yeah so my family is originally from poland i'm first generation born american um luckily i do speak polish but with a heavy american accent so it's really comical <laughs> um but i'll be talking to my friends from poland they'll be like i don't 
they're like, I don't understand why he's just a cowboy. Like they think of like New York City, like Los Angeles from the movies in such sense. And they're like, okay, I understand like this cowboy caricature, but also it seems dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was just it was cool. It was funny, but it, I think my my carpaccio level beef with it. It's very appetizer level beef. It's not big. I love that phrase you just said. <laughs> my small level beef um that I do not want to be canceled over on Twitter for Daniel Ricardo fans is that yeah it's just the it's just a stereotype exploiting yeah, it. I wouldn't worry about Twitter because anything you say on Twitter you can get canceled today so at this point it's like you I know, mean it is accountability it is. versus what sometimes happens is uh is interesting and I talk about this with my community a lot because I think it's an interesting discussion like accountability is good and I think um Gen Z really perfected that be like hey that's absolutely not because I think my parents would be like oh that's not okay but he apologized Mm. And Gen Z is like, absolutely not. Like, we're not okay with that. And um, I also don't want to stereotype Daniel Ricardo fans. I was just uh, it's misspeaking. Um, that what happens, I'm trying to think, I don't want to think of an example because I don't want to start anything. But let's say someone does something. I guess it also depends what they do, right? What, how, what does, how does someone come back from something? Is it you know they did the work? And like, how do you know they did the work? Mm. Someone, may, someone so mentioned, cool. we were talking about this in the community. Um, they're like, oh, when you get a speeding ticket, you pay the ticket, you just don't speed again. And that's mm-hmm. how you, or you go to speeding school, get the points off your license if you can, and you just don't speed again. And that's how you show. And I'm like, yeah. But for example, if like someone says something or does something, they do apologize for it, which usually the apologies, I mean, you can tell if they're genuine or not. Um, how do they show that they've done the work to grow from that? Like Christian Horner says that sexist thing. Yes, we're not forgetting that. I don't even know if he apologized. And then does he, what's what's next? Not that he got canceled for that, but like how do you show a community, how do you show the internet that you are a better person or you've grown from it? Does it take years? Does it mm-hmm. take days? And who is it to, like who decides that you are able to come back, that you are forgiven, that you have grown? Um, that's a very interesting discussion. There's no right answer. I do not know. Um, yeah, it is hard. You can't really pinpoint on how you can figure that out it can also apologies can be performative we all know that and it's just it's very hard to tell Mm -hmm. you can i mean actually to be fair you can tell if it's genuine or not but at the same time it's like what do you even do at this point because it's not like any big corporation is going to hold them accountable what do you even do at some point yeah and then there's a difference between accountability and then your opinions just differ (laughs) like Mm -hmm. yeah uh, but going back to my original question, I do say I commend you for talking about your mental health so openly. I really respect that. I feel like for me, I actually had a somewhat similar journey. I started going to therapy about six months ago um, because I was also, again, having a lot of anxiety, just generally like mm-hmm. my millionth quarter life crisis of the year. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I should start going to therapy. And I realized there that um, I was talking about you know my love for motorsport and then I found females in motorsport and we were able to launch this podcast again which I think really helps you find that community and just like yeah. somebody else who can talk to you about the same things I feel like I'm blessed with great friends but none of them follow formula one and sometimes I just want to talk for three hours about formula one where do I do that <laughs> and this is what I'm doing that now so I feel like finding that community was really helpful to me and therapy helped me find that for sure and congrats on, I mean, going to therapy. I know it's definitely frustrating because with American health insurance specifically, um, you have to find someone in your network. You have to find someone mm-hmm. accepting new patients. And you even like a therapist is a very personal thing. You have to find someone you connect with and you, you can be open with and you don't feel judgy. Like it's, it takes a while. 
yeah. then being able to build that uh, that rep, it could be discouraging after a while and it could be expensive. That's um, definitely a privilege. So congratulations on finding a therapist that works for you. And then your six month journey. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, speaking of discouraging, let's talk about female fandom in Formula One. So let's now obviously it's no secret that female fandom has really exploded in Formula One. Mm-hmm. We can credit that to drive, drive to Survive, content creators. There's so much happening, which is already mm-hmm. great. I mean, that's how I came into the sport. But Formula One has not really been able to welcome these female fans. Mm-hmm. It has been... It has not been as um, seamless of a transition. I think they just don't know with female fandom what to do with them. And I'm curious to know, because I feel like you're knowledgeable about so many other series, how is that different or similar to other series? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like NASCAR's kind of in the same. I feel like, okay, here, how do I start this? I feel like most other series are a little bit better than Formula One when it comes to this. Um, and definitely more welcoming in fandom-wise. Um, I would say NASCAR is close to Formula One, but still a little bit above with their openness. And um, just like how they talk about female fans and how they, oof, you know what pissed me off? International Women's Day. You know what F1 did? They just retweeted an F1 Academy tweet. That's all they did. That's it. That's all they did. They have, they have so much at their disposal. And that's all they did. And it's not about one day. I highly agree. I hear people typing already um, in the comment section. I know it's not about one day, but you had one day. <laughs> like, if you're going to do any day, you'd even use it. And it's like they, they don't do anything all year. And you had one day to do something. You had one job on one day and you couldn't even do it. Um, yeah, NASCAR did a great job. And they're very big in the uh, NASCAR esports community as well for um, women as, in, in addition to their fandom. IndyCar and I think IMSA does a great job because IMSA has a lot of mm. um, women drivers as well. So they really promote that. IndyCar does a great job with the women on their teams and, and the pit crew and things like that. They have a lot of women in motorsport initiatives, especially like Chip Ganassi does with PNC Bank. They um, get interns and whether it's IT, like social media, engineering, like whatever you want to do, they will like help you out and like encourage mm. that. Um, NHRA, National Hot Rod Association, drag racing, huge. They have a lot of women. I mean, Leah Pruitt, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think they're a little bit better in accepting, talking about them, addressing it directly. Mm-hmm. Like this is an issue or we want to be better at this, um, creating spaces for them at races, which is really nice, uh, um, to make them feel safe and included. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask you that next question. Like, I think in terms of safety, there's been so many women complaining that they just don't feel safe attending races because people are cat calling them or just like, you know, calling them names, calling them drive to survive fans, not real fans. Also, just straight up like harassing them. So mm-hmm. I feel, and I have not really seen any response from Formula One, inst- except that they'll say, "Yeah, we look into it, and we're trying to create a safer community." But there's no like how they're doing that. There's no actionable plan. So with NASCAR and Indy and stuff, do you think they're creating better spaces, like physically at races? That blows my mind that someone would do that. If you did that to a woman in NASCAR, I'm pretty sure you get punched in the face. Like 90% sure that like a man actually be like, "Excuse me." Um, that is not okay to do that to a woman. Um, and whether you think that's just NASCAR from the Southern roots or things like that, <laughs> like a hundred percent sure, uh, which is, it's, it's terrible. Like, you hear that and you're just like, one who raised you and, Truly. um, how is no one around you doing anything about it? Um, like the bystander effect, I'm sure. Like, I don't, 
I think you don't know those people also want to be How do you feel comfortable doing this in a crowded place with wild. hundreds of thousands of people? It's it's wild. It really but is. But I haven't heard, I mean, I could also be ignorant to the news and not be researching more in depth, but I haven't heard of other racing series going through that same problem because a lot of the IndyCar teams, again, are, I mean, women are running them or behind the communications, behind the fan like experience, behind their guest experience and things like that. Um, the IndyCar staff was constantly running around and like you could see them in different parts of the, um, of the track for St. Peter, St. Petersburg, um, and making sure everything was good and like talking to people and people would stop them and they'd be like, Oh, like, you know, and just, I wonder if it's because F1, and then this is just a, this is just an opinion, um, not a fact that F1 just breeds that air of exclusivity that like fans take that on and they're like, I am also an exclusive <laughs> and I'm going to exclude this that I do not want to be a part of it for whatever the reason is. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I, I was talking to, um, I think it was Lissy McIntosh. I did a mm-hmm. piece with her on the website and you we were talking about this exact conversation and she said, she, she, there's no other sport where somebody will ask, oh, when did you get into the sport? Like, mm-hmm. that's just not even a question. Usually, like she was saying, she has some friends who are into tennis. And if she asked a question about tennis, they would never ask, oh, when did you start watching tennis? But in Formula One, that's become such a common question. Like, oh, when did you get into the sport? Like, as if they're going to make a judgment whether or not they like you based on your answer. Which is wild. If you think about any other sport, that's, like you said, that's not an issue. Mm-mm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Drive to Survive is perfect. Far from it. Far, far from it. Um, but I do think it was obviously a it was a money move, hundred percent. And mm-hmm. it was a smart move. And obviously Liberty Media made that move deliberately because they themselves saw that their fans were getting older, the fans were diminishing, that exclusivity was basically becoming a little too uppity and elitist. So yeah. they kind of wanted to change that a little bit. And I don't even know if they imagined what would happen. Um, with Drive to Survive, but now we're in this place where there's so many new fans, there's younger fans, there's female fans, and they just don't know what to do with us, which makes me think that they actually did not expect this to happen. Oh, no, they didn't. I think they're, I think the executive producer or from Box, Box, Box Films, um, it was just a perfect storm with the pandemic and just how they're interacting social media with Formula One and things like that. It just, it was just great. And... Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I hate the exclusionary or like, when did you watch the sport question? Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, if you think about any other sport, I'm thinking about American sports, so I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Or even, I mean, if you're thinking about soccer, football, sorry, everyone, I'm calling it soccer. Um, (laughs) It's just, when you turn it on, you like wherever wherever you are in the game, you absolutely understand exactly what's happening. Um, Basketball, you just put the ball through the hoop. The score is right there it makes sense um american football you got four tries make 10 yards okay you can explain that to someone very quickly and they gotta get to the other end and the other team's gotta get to the other like this makes sense baseball run around hit the ball great three outs your your whole team etc um for motorsports not none of us ever just turn it on and we're like this makes so much sense like we all had to learn this at some point i bet people i bet if you ask those men who just do that Ask them to explain every single technical term in like an F1, like you couldn't. And that's okay. Like it is a very, like it is 
how do I explain this? It is not a hugely complicated sport, but it is like the mechanics behind these machines, like the engineering behind these machines. This is why teams can't even get cars perfectly. Like these people are professionals and their cars still suck mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. It's That's difficult so for them. It's also going to be difficult for us who doesn't have, who don't have engineering degrees. So like, where did this come from where it's like, oh, I understand what an undercut is. Therefore I'm better than you. It's because we went through that and like other people didn't. And there's like some battle there. Like, I don't understand the barrier to entry for that. Like it is a complicated sport, regardless of where, when you started, like we all have these issues. Just, just explain it to someone. <laughs> like let us, let the new fans in. And wouldn't it be more fun if there are more people into it? Like I like talking to more and more people about the sport because I get to learn more about it. We get to have more nuanced conversations. So to me, when people are like looking down on you or don't want to talk to you because you're a newer fan is just absurd what's your what's your favorite part of race day what do you what do you like about the weekend or i guess race day i was specific race weekend i should say i feel like in the entire weekend this might be a controversial opinion i kind of like quality more than race day Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. keeps you more on your toes i think with races sometimes the boring races can be like a bit of a snooze fest Mm -hmm. so you kind of just like check out a little bit with quality i am never checked out i'm looking at the times i'm very like I'm a little bit of a data nerd, so I get very excited about like lap times and things like that. So I feel like quality to me is like the best part of race weekend. And I would also say like media day is really fun. Right. I also find it really interesting to see what drivers they pick every weekend for the pre-race conference, like things like that I find very interesting. Absolutely. What is your favorite part about race week? Ooh, um, I always appreciate the technical or like technical or any changes they bring to the car. I just think that's mm. interesting because you're like it could be the smallest thing, like the smallest variables in Formula One, um, make the biggest difference, which is always interesting to me. Um, I do like media day. I do like seeing drivers' personalities, um, or just people's personalities in general, whether it's a driver, or team principal. You just get to know a little bit more about them, and you're like, do I want to root for them today? And you're like, hmm, that was a stupid answer. I didn't like it enough. Um, I like quality. Uh, excuse me, quality. I like quality because at its like purest, it is just how fast these guys can go. <laughs> and because there's no stra- like there's no sandbagging at some point, right? Because you're you need to be you want to pull. Um, what's the strategy? I mean, sure, there's minor strategy, but not as conniving as race day when you have X number of hours and undercuts and overcuts and things like that. You can't do that in quality. Like to its purest form, it's. Who is going the fastest and who knows this track the best to do yes. so? 100%. Um, now, obviously, we know that you are huge on Twitch. What other social media format for you do you think is the best to kind of catch up on motorsport? Or which one do you personally Ooh. like? Um, well, Twitch is like few and far between. There's like not a lot of us on it. So I don't mind TikTok. Um, I do prefer the longer form TikTok versions of explaining certain things or the educational some video some folks do really great educational videos on f1 tiktok and i really like that and then i follow a lot of journalists on twitter so it's always great when they give you the byline and then they're like they absolutely link their article or whatever they've written and you're just like okay great i can just quickly go through this and learn a lot yeah i think tiktok is a good one i actually love twitter myself too because i like following the journalists and kind of seeing everything that they've been talking about, their predictions and things like that, because obviously right. there are people who have been writing about Formula One for years now. Speaking of, or not speaking of, Drive to Survive. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but Females in Motorsport did a quick study on how many women were represented in Drive to Survive. Yeah. And it was, I think it was a very, very small number. It's actually embarrassing. It was like 1.64%. And... 
our writer Gemma Roper, who did the study, she's actually a BBC researcher, so she obviously put in a lot of hours into this one. And she did a similar study when the first, I think, first or second season came out, and it's actually lower than that. And this really made me think about that it's not that there are no women working in motorsport. Yes, there are fewer female drivers, but that's also not because women are not talented. It's a systemic issue. Mm-hmm. But even if you put drivers aside, there are so many female journalists. There are so many women who are technicians, engineers, yep. race strategists. And I feel like some, like my, not Carpaccio level beef, much bigger beef than that, <laughs> is that I feel like with women, when you have conversations with women in motorsport, when other media platforms do that, they just want to talk about them being women. Like, oh, how is it like, you know, being a woman in this sport? They never want to actually have nuanced conversations with them that they would have mm-hmm. with other men. And I feel like that is frustrating to me because you're kind of pigeonholing women into this one area, not really giving them room to grow and have other conversations, which can bring them into the larger limelight. And I think that's what Drive to Survive also did because they're talking about these normal mainstream conversations and stuff like that. They don't have any women having regular conversations about drivers and strategies and things like that. They also just have in general diversity of thought with like Mm. just a bunch of white old dudes. Like, yes. So like, even if you had women, I think at, in the initial stages of diversity inclusion programs, that white women benefit the most, but that's still not diversity. Like that's still not, <laughs> you can do all, substantially better than that. Um, so it's always surprising to me. There was one episode where they, I think they were showing Total Wolf at Harvard when Mercedes was there to speak. Susie Wolf was sitting right next to him on stage and you can hear um, the Harvard speaker saying, oh, like, this is Total Wolf. And you can hear, I think you hear them, like, about to introduce Susie. And they, like, completely cut that out of the episode. And I I was like, what? Like, you're not going to, like, you're just going to, and, like, of course, throughout, like, the rest of the kind of scenes, like, Toto's talking, you see Susie right next to him. And, like, you don't think people are curious of who this other woman on stage also wearing a Mercedes Polo is, like, or, like, (laughs) it was, like, talking to, like, Total Wolf about? This is ridiculous. It is. It really is ridiculous. Of course, the sport has a diversity problem, but it doesn't really help if the media also has a diversity problem. It's really like we're in that cycle and no one is trying to break that. It's just all these old white dudes making these decisions. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they, they just don't know. They don't think about it. Yeah. It, it's interesting to see, like when you're I'm talking to my brother sometimes and I, I think I just mentioned like I like some like me holding my car keys between my hands and he's like, or like, oh, I said something about how I check under the car if I park in a parking lot in Target. And he's like, why would you check under the car? And I was like, in case someone's under there or like in my back seat. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I have to check the back seat of my car in case there's a guy in there. This man is like 30 something years old. And he's like, I have never thought of it. Like, I've never had to worry about that. And I'm not like, and he's not a terrible person. I mean, I hope he's not a terrible person. I don't know. <laughs> I'll call my of brother right not. after this and ask him. Um, I mean, well, I don't know. Let me, let me go talk to him first. But like, I don't think they, I generally don't think they think about it. And that's where the diversity mm-hmm. of thought also comes in. Yes. With- the other day I was talking to a couple of friends about this. I think it was a study where they asked a bunch of women, like, you know, if there were no men on the planet, what would you do? Walk outside And they literally night. said, I would take a walk. And that really hit home. Genuinely hit home. I mean, I live in New York. I live in the city. So I would 100% say that anyway. But I do think like just taking a normal walk without having, you know, worrying about like men looking at you and like catcalling you and things like that. Like, wow, that seems like a luxury. I don't think we'd ever want to experience that. I have that birdie safety thing on my car keys. Just Mm. in case. I'm not car keys. I don't own a car. On my house keys. Excuse me. But like, I still have that safety thing. And I also have pepper spray. just, Just in case. But it's ridiculous that I was like, I might need this and I'm going to put this here. Yeah. 
I feel like with Formula One, they are making some strides. I think with Formula One Academy, I will say admittedly, I was a little bit skeptical when they first announced it. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't really know what's going to happen, especially with W Series and the way it just randomly um, ended in the middle of the season. Yeah, and literally never talked about it again. So that was interesting. But with F1 Academy, I was a little bit skeptical because I was like, I don't know how it's going to go. They obviously didn't make any real announcement about like the cars, the tech specs and things until recently. So we really did not know which way it's going to go. Yeah. But I actually had a conversation with an F1 Academy driver the other day for the podcast. Ooh, and awesome. for her, one of the big issues has been finding sponsorships. Her thing is that F1 Academy gives that signal that Formula One is talking about women in motorsport. Maybe other people should pay attention. I like that it's called Academy. You bring up a good point that it's not just about driving. It's teaching them how to, I, they said this on like someone on, on an Instagram shoot, teaching them about getting those sponsorships that you mentioned, teaching them like how to like read the telemetry correctly for the next race and like what that means i mean i know how they know how to read the telemetry they're professional race car drivers but i mean like how to really apply it to the car that they're in for formula one and how it feels because you know lewis hamilton would be like that feels off and you'll be like the wheel is jiggling and i'm like how do you how can you freaking tell that like i don't like that is insane so like teaching them that thing and not just driving and getting them into a car just teaching them all the things that go by the business of driving and things like that yeah Hundred percent. So I am excited to see how it goes. I'm I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a stride. But I'm curious to know how you feel F1 Academy and like what role is going to play in Formula One and the long term solution to creating more space for women. Um, I was peeved at F1. Was am always will be. Um, why are they not showing it on F1 TV for W Series? Not F1 TV. It was after the fact. It was never live. I think W Series might have been on Twitch or YouTube a little bit. Like it was very difficult for me to watch as an American. Hmm. And I hope F One Academy. Like I hope they're like, hey, find this race on F One TV because um, that that's just really make a lot point. of sense. Like why wouldn't you just put it on if that is your race? So hopefully that's what they're doing. Um, and again, it, like to your point, it sounds like they're. It sounds like they actually want to try to make this work and teaching them about everything behind the motorsports, the business, the driving, etc. I think the big thing is getting their promoting their races and putting them on F1 TV or somewhere where it's easily a watchable format and not somewhere where I have to dig or like find a VPN. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to the calendar to see what's what race is going to be the one where they are also going to be with their fun weekend. So I'm happy mm-hmm. that it's Kota and that's why I'm going to go to Kota because that's what I want to see. But I do think that the broadcasting is a really good point because we don't really know. We have, we don't have any information so far. We also don't know how, if people can go buy tickets and see it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's there has been point. no information out about that. I remember we did a little bit of, a, we did a TikToks episode on this and uh, not episode, video on this. Mm-hmm. And someone commented asking, where can we buy tickets? And I was like, that's a great question. We don't know that yet. Before we wrap up, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire. Now, this is a rapid fire where we don't talk about racing at all. This is where we can just have some fun, not talk about all these interesting and insightful conversations. Just take a break. Are you ready? No. Yes. (laughs) What is your go-to pizza topping? I'm so boring. I just, just, just pile on all the cheeses that you possibly have in your pizzeria and just give that to me. You can't I, go wrong with cheese. I don't like anything spicy. I'm Polish. We have we salt mm. our food. We have cabbage. We have pierogi. Like, ugh, we don't really eat spicy. Um, borscht isn't even that spicy. Ushki. Like, I'm trying to think of like spicy foods before someone angrily types that Polish people have spicy food. No, we don't. Um, yeah, 
vets uh, artichokes is that weird i was like i'm going like oh, the veggie no, olives are really good like i like kind of like mm. the saltiness of those um i don't think you can go wrong with cheese i think that's a classic answer i like give that. me that four cheese pizza <laughs> it's just loaded up <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna accept that answer i think that was a good one thank you i appreciate that okay. question number two who is your favorite tv character of all time and i'm gonna nuance this saying you cannot name someone from seinfeld oh that's fine um <laughs> They're not good people. You know, you know, literally the best characters of all time. I'm trying to think, um, oh, I don't know if all time, but recently or the most recently in this media generation, um, I've really liked uh, Wanda Maximoff from mm-hmm. right, the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I like that one, she's obviously the strongest Avenger and she was obviously good to kill Thanos and everyone can yell at me about that if they don't believe me. Um, she is often misjudged, I think which, I mean, we can all relate to as women yes. about our strength and our power and things like that. But I also like a good villain. And I'm kind of happy she's bad because women don't have to be only nurturing. We can be bad. We can be villains. And she's a great villain. And I freaking love that. And she owns it. <laughs> no, great. I love that. I absolutely agree. I feel like most women, like their characters are always like nurturing and like like they always play positive characters. And I'm like, let's show some range. We all have range. Let's do that. Give me evil. We want to see other <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or not even evil, anything else, just anything else. We have more than one, you know, we're more dimensional than that. Do you want to hear something slightly that might be controversial? But this is my this is my take on things of women in motorsports. Always. Um, women always have to like overprove themselves, right? Yes. You've mentioned this and like we've talked about this, right? Like we, we get, uh, name every single champion, Formula One. My issue is if there's a woman in Formula One, that she's like Danica Patrick did this like she automatically gets judged men are still like well she didn't win every race and I was like neither did half of the NASCAR grid last year like I don't and you don't shit on them all the time excuse my language so I want not only women obviously to be dominating and kicking butt in motorsports I want a woman to not do well at all and just be there like I am totally Mm -hmm. okay if you pull a Latifi and you're (laughs) p20 all the time like good for you that's exactly why we should like we don't have to be p1 we don't have to always overachieve and be the best at everything just to prove that we have space there you can just be you can just take up space just like the guys do and I want a woman to be there and just be p20 1000 percent I feel like women just have to be like oh we are here and we have to like represent all the women out there and like you know we have to overprove ourselves because literally men will not take us seriously otherwise and that just kind of sucks. it's exhausting <laughs> it's just it's firstly not possible not not all the women can be amazing and they shouldn't have to be they shouldn't have to live up to this insane expectation they don't have to be like seven time world champions that's ridiculous to be like oh she can be she can be driving because she's amazing what like not all drivers have to be amazing and exactly like you said not all male drivers are amazing but they take up a space they take up a seat so don't really understand why that applies to women the whole thing is that a woman can be seven-time world champion she can also not be a seven-time world champion like either one is totally valid and that is the point so a woman can be a villain or a good character too that's my whole point yes 100% (laughs) Um, okay, the last question. This is a good one. If you were an animal, what would you be? Oof. Okay, so I've thought about this. And one answer is like you want to be some kind of bird, right? Because you just want to be able to fly over sea or anything. But like I'm I'm 30, which is I know it's not very I've I've had my crazy party days and my intense days and like after a weekend at race weekends, I just want to be a cat. I just want to lay there, live my best life in the sun on the couch and I very cats are very independent 
Mm-hmm. Um, they also are very good with, ooh, want to hear this fun fact? This is, uh, this is now a random, it's become a random talk show. Um, this, people who don't like cats, I think, have a problem with kind of like boundaries and consent because cats are, will be like automatically, they will not love you if they don't want to love you. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to deal with it. And people are like, oh, how dare they? Dog, my dog loves me all the time. And I was like, yeah, because the cat does, just doesn't want to love you right now. And that's okay. But it'll come back. It'll, it eventually wants to be pet. It eventually wants to be whatever. So, yeah. I look at pet cats, like domestic cats. I'm always like, what makes your life difficult? You know, you're know. just chilling. You're just laying around, sleeping. You know, you have a litter box. Like, what really makes your life difficult? I want to know. I run a really dope cat tree if I ever come back as a cat. I hope my future mm. owners in the next life. Have really great cat tree for me just to lounge on and hang out in. Um, all right. Before we end the podcast, um, tell our listeners, you know, where they can find you, your Instagram, Twitch, everything, all the good stuff. Everyone can find me at um, Twitch, which is I primarily do all my motorsport coverage there. So if you're into Formula One, IndyCar, and NASCAR, we do watch-alongs. But we'll talk about IMSA, WEC, and MotoGP from time to time. And then um, everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, I think I have a Snapchat somewhere in my account. Um, it's all under Ash Vandley, which is A-S-H-B-A-N-D-E-L-A-Y. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ash. I had so much fun. And thank you so much, listeners, for um, tuning into our conversation today. Bye, listeners. Thank you for having me.